nature of the offenses and the gravity. The suspects remain at large and are being tried in absentia. A billionaire in Utah is breaking with the Mormon church and advertising techie Jeff Green has issued a very public rebuke. CBS's Jim Crisula. In a letter to the church's president, Green said, quote, while most members are good people trying to do right, I believe the church is actively and currently doing harm in the world. He includes the position on gay rights. This is CBS News. Fever is the number one COVID symptom, so be safe with an accurate thermometer. Only Exergen has proven accurate in more than 100 studies. Learn more at exergen.com. There is still time for you to gift awesomely. During Dell's holiday event, save up to $250 on computers with Intel Core processors. Start the holidays off right with special savings on high-performance Dell XPS and Alienware systems. These deals are perfect for helping anyone power their greatest passions. Plus, save on top monitors, docks, and accessories, all with free shipping. You heard that right, free shipping. Just call 800-BY-DELL. That's 800-BY-DELL. Cooking with Rachel Ray, brought to you by the Cheesecake Factory. Homemade mac and cheese can go one of two ways, too thick or too thin. Here's Rachel with a simple tip for the perfect sauce. If it's three cups of milk or combined liquid, it's three cups of cheese. Brought to you by the Cheesecake Factory. For every $50 gift card purchased at thecheesecakefactory.com or a Cheesecake Factory restaurant by December 31st, you'll receive a $15 promo card redeemable in the new year. Visit thecheesecakefactory.com for details. Wondering how your friends are feeling this holiday season? Just open the envelope to find out. Minted is a company in San Francisco that prints holiday cards from creators across the country. And this year, it analyzed thousands of orders, looking at everything from how photos were staged to what people wore. And while it would be easy to assume people are still in a pandemic funk, this year's holiday cards show the nation's collective mood is a lot lighter than last year. Keywords like vaccinated and reunion kept popping up. Even use of the word normal increased by 12%. But I should mention, this is all before Omicron, so the word cancel wasn't really on anyone's radar. Monica Ricks, CBS News. They're running out of paper in Cuba. The Havana Times blog says there's not enough to print ration books similar to food stamps in this country for 2022. The Ministry of Internal Trade blames delays in imported raw materials. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Jay Farner here, CEO of Rocket Companies. If you thought you missed your chance to refinance and save, think again. Mortgage rates have recently dropped below 3%, and Rocket Mortgage can help you save big. You could lower your monthly payment and prepare yourself for a better financial future. But you've got to act now. Call us today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rocket. Conditions apply. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Whether you're vaccinated or not, it's important to know the symptoms of COVID and its variants. Fever is the leading sign of COVID and the flu, so make sure you use an accurate thermometer. Only the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate with more than 100 clinical studies. Non-contact thermometers have no clinical evidence behind them, and you cannot rely on them. Be vigilant and seek medical advice at the first sign of fever. Learn more at exergen.com. Happy Holidays, Athens. TJ here from Pizza Cottage, and we're just the gift that keeps on giving. This holiday season, bring your family in for some pizzas, subs, wings, pastas, you name it. Or better yet, book our party room for your holiday gathering. Need a stocking stuffer or extra gift? Stop in and purchase a gift card for your special someone. So come visit me and the rest of our crew at 951 East State Street, or check out our menu at pizza-cottage.com. Heavy uterine bleeding and iron deficiency anemia through the years. Oh, I've been there. Huh? That sweater around your waist, I've been there. Heavy period? Makes you wonder what women used to do. The record you're using to cover your behind. I've been there. Your backward apron. I've been there. If you've been there, you get it. Excessive menstrual bleeding for six months or more is known as heavy uterine bleeding, or HUB. HUB may lead to another condition called iron deficiency anemia, or IDA. Learn about iron deficiency anemia at imayhaveida.com. Brought to you by healthywomen.org and Daiichi Sankyo Inc. Difficulties with everyday tasks, words and numbers, confusion in familiar environments, memory loss, and changes in behavior. These are all signs of dementia. Athens County Cares wants to create a dementia-inclusive Athens County and empower adults living 
with cognitive decline through a holistic program which safeguards their dignity and independence while improving their and their caregivers' quality of life. Pick up the phone and call 740-594-3535 or visit AthensCountyCares.org to learn more. There's so much flavor that gets packed into a McDonald's breakfast sandwich, like the sweet taste of maple cooked right into the griddle cakes of a bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles combined with crispy, crunchy bacon, or a sausage McMuffin with egg that's cooked to sizzling perfection. So savory, so toasty, so much mm-mm in every bite. Now mix and match a bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles, sausage McMuffin with egg, or bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Get any two for just $4. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Snowmen, snowmen, snowmen. Here at A Work of Heart, we have the best variety and selection of snowmen, gnomes, and wildlife in all of Ohio and West Virginia. Winter decor is what you are looking for. Signs of all shapes and sizes most made in the United States. Porch sitters, flags, rugs, and decorative seasonal rug inserts. Memorial decor to help you fondly remember that special loved one. Laser engraved product with names and dates you design yourself. Dog and cat decor. Ohio State and West Virginia signs and decorations. Many can be personalized. We have puzzled, farm decor, wedding, anniversary, fragrant candles, battery candles, greeting cards, and 20% off our boxed Christmas cards. Our wildlife department is a sight to behold. Come see us today at A Work of Heart Grand Central Mall. Find us on Facebook or shop online at aworkofheart.biz. Have you heard of Project Rise? Are you a parent in Athens, Meigs, Perry, or Vinton counties? We provide internships, job shadowing, work study, transition planning, and graduation coaching. All students and parents have free access to these resources. For more information, please find us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. There are numerous free events and resources that you need to know about. Act now. Project Rise will help you with your future after high school. Follow us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. Ah, once again, look at that sunshine out there just booming. Sitting exactly at 32 degrees right now, headed up to, wow, 35 are high today, uh, but remaining mostly sunny. Next few days, though, are going to warm up. 44 tomorrow, 54 on Friday, 60 on Saturday. Uh, you get the idea. Hey, we got a special edition today. Our guest is Keith Wasserman. You may presently know him best for an organization called Good Works. But there's a lot more to Keith Wasserman than just that. And so, uh, good morning, Keith. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I, I was uh, reading some of your uh, bio last night. Fascinating, man. And, um, you know, let's just, uh, let's just hit on some of the interesting points. First of all, you, you were raised in Cleveland, right? Correct. In a Jewish community, you were, your family was Jewish. Correct. And, um, let's see, now, uh, how old were you? It says your father died when you were rather young. How old were you? I was 12. 12. That must have been, um. What do you want to call it? A real tough thing to deal with, right? Oops, forgive my phone. When you're that young, you don't process things. Uh, you look back on that time and uh, realize that it was a very difficult time. Sure. Your mom uh, remarried and um, uh, you folks moved to Dayton then, right? Yes. And um, now in... in Cleveland, the community you lived in was uh, primarily all Jewish, so um, you weren't particularly aware of of uh, Christian life and that sort of thing. But you know, there's. Um, but when you got to Dayton, 
uh, and I think you were 16 then, mm-hmm. um, your life was uh, powerfully transformed, I have in a paragraph here. <laughs> so tell me about that. Uh, you were in, um, uh, what, uh, in high school at Centerville? Yes, I was at Centerville High School. I was a junior. My teacher in um, radio invited me to his into his life. I still stay in touch with him and his wife. Uh, and then I met Christians uh, really for the first time in my life back in uh, that would that would have been 1974. 74. Okay. Now. Um... Now, let's see here. You had a little bit of a speckled uh, background back then, didn't you? Yeah, I think uh, I, I got lost in the drug culture uh, beginning in the seventh grade and uh, didn't really get out till midway to the 11th grade. Uh, how, you know, when I think of Centerville, I guess I don't think of uh, that being a drug capital or anything like that. What... Uh, How'd that come about, and why? Well, my early years uh, were in Cleveland, and that's uh, where that began. So, um, yeah, I think I just gravitated towards some type of um, distraction or relief, and then with that came addiction. I don't know what's with my phone here, but it's making noises, and I have tried to silence it. Uh, Forgive us uh, if that... Pops up once in a while, folks. Um, well, okay. So then, somewhere along the way, you decided to um, to go to Ohio University, right? I did. I was a first year student in 1976. Lived on the East Green. And and did you have a, a major at that time in mind? Uh, well, I majored in communications uh, at that time and um, was pursuing. I had. Um, uh, had some experience in radio, and so I was going to pursue the next level. I volunteered at the all-campus radio network, ACRN. ACRN yeah. sure. So that was the the thing I was doing at that time. And, and um, so let's see here. Now, 1976, you arrived here in the fall. And what most impressed you about Athens? Uh, at that time? Uh, well, I found a sense of community here. I found people that I could um, trust and build community with. In fact, I'm still friends with a lot of those people to this very day. And um, I think that was the most significant thing. And then, you know, as I grew older, I began to appreciate the, the town, the culture. But I must say that it wasn't until after I finished Ohio University that I began to understand that Athens was in Appalachia. And I had a lot to learn about Appalachia. <laughs> so. Yes, yes. There's, um, you know, it is a wonderful place to live. But that assumes that you have a job. And that the job is paying well, or paying, you know, f- uh, appropriately, and um, all sorts of things. But Appalachia, you know, we, many of us in Athens don't have a full appreciation of of what Appalachia really is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so out of all of that, um. You became interested in um, people with dealing with hardships, right? And uh, hardships could be um, could be homelessness, um, just amplify on that. A sure. Little bit. So um, around my sophomore junior year at OU, um, I decided I would add a two year associate degree onto my four year bachelor's and began to study uh, mental health and learned uh, a lot about myself and about others and about some of the dynamics of the mental health uh, world. Back then, the DSM, I think, was uh, 1970 or maybe 74. DSM stands for the Diagnostic Statistical Manual that classifies uh, the terminology and the descriptions of mental illness. So I enrolled in a two-year program, and then I had to do an internship um, for that program. 
I did my first uh, stint of an internship in my sister's place and learned a lot about the cycle of violence. I then worked with a group called the RTP, which later became Health Recovery Services. And then I served on the admissions and intensive care unit on the Athens Mental Health, um, that group up there on the on the ridges uh, during the Billy Milligan era. I met him yeah. once when I was up there. Well, so... Um... You, let's see. You, at one point, you had a rental home, right? And um, down on Elliott Street or somewhere. And you actually um, decided to take a part of that house, I guess the basement or something like that, and turn it into a place for a couple people to live who might be homeless, right? So I was fortunate enough, as a result of some inheritance I received after um, I turned 18, to buy a house on Elliott Street. Oh. And as a homeowner, uh, many people don't know this, there are no laws uh, restricting you from having guests in your house and no laws restricting you from how long those guests can stay as long as you're not charging them any money. And so we began to take people in. Uh, we remodeled the basement in the fall of 1980 and it opened up January 1st in 1981 and met Carol. And she was from this place I wasn't familiar with called Appalachia. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have a lot to learn. Now, Carol, um, is are we saying uh, this is your spouse? No, no. Carol was a woman that... Uh, okay came to live in the in the basement, which we later would oh, call oh, Good I Works. Get I get it. Now, um, let's see, you you are married, right? Yes, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary. Congratulations. And um, the, the woman you came to marry, did she, um, did she have the same passion about these topics? So Darlene and I met in 1977 in a campus Christian fellowship, and then we were married in 81, about nine months after I had started Good Works. And I think um, she, she was very cautious and a little bit apprehensive. But, you know, we have been working together in this journey uh, all these years. And while she doesn't share the exact same passion I have, um, she is very, very complimentary in the organization. Mm -hmm. And adds qualities that I cannot add into the organization. Well, now, 40 years now, Good Works has been in existence, right? Correct. And um, let's see, here's a sentence. Working with the people who struggle with homelessness and poverty in rural Ohio. Now, um, that's powerful stuff. Um, how... Do you have any idea how many different people, how many different lives you've touched? I do not. Um, it's a bunch, though, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. What, um, what is the goal of Good Works Incorporated? Uh, what is what my phone say? Forgive me. And so Good Works has a mission statement, uh, and um, then our different initiatives, and we have several, have their own kind of goals. But the, the mission of Good Works uh, says that Good Works exists to connect people from all walks of life with people who struggle with poverty so that the kingdom of God can be experienced. That phrase, kingdom of God, is based in the Gospels, the themes of the mission and ministry of Jesus. Okay, now, um, I can't remember uh, if I brought this up already. Forgive my poor memory. Uh, at some point, you chose to become a Christian, right? Yes. And um, what, what brought that about? Well, I suppose it depends on what kind of theology that you carried to define whether it was uh, a sovereign act of God uh, or it was my will. There was a little bit of mystery there, but um, I opened my heart and prayed um, to receive Jesus into my life. And 
uh, God saw my sincerity, and I think something began to happen. Rather, uh, several different things began to happen internally that I was aware of, uh, both externally circumstances, but internally I began to be aware. The, the most significant was my, my desires changed. I must say that when I was a teenager, my goal in life was to own a rock and roll record store and sell drug paraphernalia. Um, but after Christ entered my life, uh, my desires changed to really love and serve people. And um, I found myself uh, confident, um, not an expert by any means, uh, but confident in my ability to navigate not only loving and serving people, but also inviting other people to help me and come alongside us and to serve people together who are at the, who are at the point of vulnerability and who are feeling excluded and whose circumstances have landed them into the situation of homelessness and poverty. Now, um, out of all of that, not only did you receive a degree from Ohio University back in, what, 81, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, you've gone to um, theological school, right? Yes, I have a long-term relationship with a theological school outside of Lexington, Kentucky, called Asbury Theological Seminary. And, uh, in fact, they've even awarded you with an honorary doctoral degree there. That's pretty cool. That was a gift, and I'm so grateful. What, um, okay, so you've done all these interesting and and great things for people. Uh, Can you cite certain situations that you'll never forget or that you're most proud of or something like that? That's a real real open question, but um, uh, I'll bet you can handle it. People often ask me about whether we're having much success, and I think it all depends on how you define that word, because uh, as a a follower of Christ, I believe that our efforts in and of themselves uh, are offered to God as an act of worship. So whether we're cleaning a toilet or making dinner or whether we're just listening to someone, this too is is a part of our Christian faith. Um... The, uh, the vision of bringing more than a song is important to me. I'm a, I love to sing, and I'm, uh, uh, I love to worship through song, and I love to study and read Scripture. But I think that service to others is an equal component. So over the years, we've served a lot of interesting and wonderful people. We've had a lot of difficult people as well. One story that comes to mind was um, the year was uh, 1985. The, the doorbell rings, and it's a man uh, who doesn't speak any English. He's, he's uh, probably in his 60s, and he, uh, I didn't know what to, but he ended up speaking French, and we actually had a resident who spoke French. Huh. How unusual is that? Yeah. And the resident translated his story, which was that he claimed to be an Italian professor walking uh, from Los Angeles to New York City. Wow. And, you know, I kind of roll my eyes and go, yeah, I've heard a lot of stories. We'll see. Um, and so um, that's the story. We gave him accommodation, and um, I think he slept well, and he left the next day. Uh, you just don't know what you're, um, you know, you you just don't know. Well, about four or five months later, I received a letter in the mail with a photo um, of a professor with a headline. I think it was in the, the um, New York Daily News. Italian professor reaches New York City, and it's a photo of him shaking hands with the then mayor, Ed Koch. So, you, you know, you just don't know kind of what you're doing sometimes. Yes. So... The, the, your, the, the project that you're most known for, um, I think that's fair to say, is founding a thing called Good Works. And um, so it's actually now, um, I, I think originally, I don't know, but it, today it's an actual place. Out on, uh, what's the name of that road? Well, so Good Works has three locations. Three? Um, the first is on Central Avenue, where we operate the Timothy House, and that yes. is our home. Yes. Uh, and we actually serve eight counties of people who experience homelessness. Um, 
And then the second location, which we purchased in 1994, is on Lurid Road. And um, we have quite a few things going on out there. Uh, that's where we host uh, visiting volunteers from all over Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Illinois. They come for a week in the summer and uh, weekends in the fall and spring. And then we send them out all over the county to serve primarily at the homes of widows or widowers or citizens struggling with a disability to do service at their houses. Um, there are several other things to go on out there, including our bed and breakfast that op we operate. That's a revenue source. We have a retreat cabin. Um, and then we operate the transformation station. But the third location of Good Works is um, at the corner of Central Avenue and 2nd Street. And it's a new building that we're we'll be finishing up in 2022 called Sign of Hope. Now, I've seen that under construction. And um, that's now that's going to be a nice place. What, um, you know, you've got all these things going, but knowing Keith Wasserman a bit, I have a feeling you've got another half dozen ideas yet to go. Um, what are some things that you wish you could have accomplished by now and, and still hope to? Well, COVID has been a challenge for us, and so it's kind of diminished our capacity to dream into the future, and we're focused on sustainability and doing what we're already doing well. And so that's kind of got a lot of my attention. I worked at the Timothy House overnight last night because we're short-staffed, and uh, we're you know, I think we're really trying to, to continue to do what we do and do it well, do it with excellence, uh, which is really simply loving our neighbors. So um, there are there's not a whole lot of discussion right now about new ideas. I think it would be kind of overwhelming uh, for the staff and volunteers to um, to be uh, navigating new ideas. Uh, finishing up Sign of Hope is a major uh, point of the 2022, and we're kind of focused on that. I saw somewhere the expression, or the, the, the sentence, rather. Um, you are particularly concerned for widows, the fatherless, and people without homes. Um, those are three different types of um, situations, of course. So in the Old and New Testament, uh, you find these three groups of people connected uh, in sentences. The widow, the orphan, and the stranger uh, would be one translation. In the New Testament, we see uh, that pure religion in the sight of God is to visit widows and orphans in their time of distress and to keep yourself unstained or unpolluted by the world, particularly the world's view of widows and orphans and strangers. I think it's important that we, we cultivate a community which has a high view of people at the point of their vulnerabilities. Sometimes the news media is um, drawn to the stories of people and their failures. Uh, we wanna see people, I pray every day, Lord help me to see people as you see them made in your image with beauty, dignity, and purpose. But these three groups come from the Old and New Testament of the Bible. Uh, and they all have many things in common. Uh, the most significant thing they all three have in common is, for the most part, they did not choose the situation that they are in. It was thrust upon them. And I might just add one more piece to this. Um, people without homes, or those who experience homelessness, we would consider the biblical, the stranger. But that group in the United States is pretty small compared to the large amount of strangers in the world, uh, which we would might use the phrase refugees. I was in the largest refugee camp in the world at the time, about 45,000 people on the border of Myanmar and Thailand. And so you see that there's a much larger group of strangers. Another word in the Bible would be sojourner or aliens. Um, so we're concerned because God is concerned about those people. Keith, you... I knew you had done this a time or two, but I didn't realize it has been 11 times that you have um, chosen to um, try to live as though you were homeless. Um, and, and that's over the last 30 years this has occurred. 
And in each case, I think you did it in a different city. Um, and, and typically in a very, that had a large urban area, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Correct. Tell us about some of that. So I, um, I'm not really homeless because at any point in the journey, I can escape it. Uh, but I go to learn what it's like to feel uh, the other side. The first trip I took was Lexington, Kentucky. The most recent trip was uh, Columbus, Ohio. I've also done Cincinnati, Louisville, Indianapolis, Indiana, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Charleston, West Virginia, Akron, Ohio, Pittsburgh. Uh, and these experiences have helped open my eyes and my heart um, to be able to see what it's like to be in the, the institutional setting, um, to be on the other side of the structure. It helps inform me uh, what it's like because I think it's easy to lose perspective when you run an institution um, and, and have blind spots. We all have blind spots, so I'm trying to um, erase some of my blind spots and have a broader perspective. Uh, these experiences replenish my own reservoir of compassion. In the work that we do, it is easy to become hard-hearted. Um, you know, as I work uh, with many caring and loving people in the social work industry, I I know that it's often not safe to um, uh, to admit uh, you're hard-hearted. And a lot of times people are not aware of how hard their heart has become. And that's not language really in the social work world. But uh, we try uh, to make sure that we're staying tender-hearted and living lives of forgiveness. Um, that doesn't mean that we get trampled on. We do have limits, and we enforce those limits. I just did some reflections, uh, writing reflections on those recently. Uh, we have to say no, and we have to say um, that we have limits. But these experiences have helped me to have a much broader perspective. Uh, every one of these cities has a story or many stories uh, of how much I have learned just from being in these shelters. Are are there differences between urban areas, or did you find it was a calm, there, be, being that way was uh, common throughout? I, I don't think I said that. Very well, much. there are differences. I mean, every city is different. The resources that Pittsburgh provides were very different than Cincinnati or, for that matter, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, so there are differences, but there, then there are some common elements in an urban setting that are very common to all urban settings. What? Um, so after you had finished, um, well, so one of these ventures might last how long? Uh, about three or four days is the maximum amount of time that I can go. Okay. And tell me what you experienced most often. Uh, dehumanization. Uh, that means that the systems, um, and, and Good Works is not exempt from this, but we're just trying to be, we're trying to humanize uh, as much as we can. Uh, but there is a growing sense of fear, um, and as a result of that, there is a distancing, and as a result of that, there are structures that dehumanize people. And I look at them with a little different objectivity than the people on the inside. Um, but I don't think we're exempt from those forms as well. For example, uh, when I was in Columbus, Ohio, I tried to uh, unsuccessfully to stay at the um, Friends of the Homeless shelter there. And they have a whole different system. Um, and there's a, there's a story with that. But one of the things I observed uh, when they were um, uh, wanting people to come from the bedrooms down to the office as they would call them by numbers. So they would say, uh, 33, we need to talk with you. 62, would you please come down? Uh, uh, 47, uh, we need you to come downstairs. And on that level of efficiency, that makes a lot of sense. But I don't think that people are aware no. of how dehumanizing that is. And I think there it takes more energy and effort to humanize um, and we're trying, and so Good Works has this, what, what we call the ethic of inefficiency. Um, so uh, we do ask for people's names uh, on the phone. Uh, it's the first thing we ask for rather than um, social security number, which is what I got when I was in Columbus. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a humanizing process that I think is really important. Um, now, we all have limitations, and we we also fail at this ourselves. Now, 
um, for years now. In fact, uh, here it says 29 years now. Friday Night Life. And this is done out at the, um, well, what's the name of Well, six months of the year, we partner with the Plains United Methodist Church in the Plains. Okay. And then six months, we're on the Good Works property located on Lurig Road. Uh, but this is a um, a public meal. Um, Friday evenings, mm-hmm. and um, what kind of attendance do you see? Well, pre-COVID, uh, we were anywhere from 100 to as many as 150 participants, uh, men, women, and children. Then COVID hit. We had we never stopped serving, but we had to move into a handout drive-by. Here's a, a take-home food for many months. Then we were able to get uh, back into meeting together uh and uh, it, it diminished, I think, on a high day where maybe 40, maybe 45. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, is it something where, how, how do you know this person is worthy of receiving this gift? Uh, yeah, that's not a question that we uh, are concerned with uh, because we're trying to build community. And sometimes people come who maybe, um, could provide for themselves, but they're uh, but they're coming for a sense of connection, and we think that that point of connection is an equally competing value uh, to the food. So I don't feel anyone's taking advantage of us, uh, but I'm aware that some people are there. So you can you can break this down by people who live in food insecurity or live with food insecurity, people who live with or in food deserts. Uh, people who experience uh, diabetes and as a result are challenged with the types of food. Um, so there's a lot of issues that are going on there. We're focused on helping people have, this is always a challenge, tasty and nutritious food mm. at the same time. Um, and then we have sponsoring groups that provide that. I mean, we have as, as many as 50 different groups every year who provide that meal uh, to those who participate in Friday Night Life. Well, um not just for Friday Night Life, but for your overall organization, there's significant support from community groups and, and individuals. Um, well, um, I don't want to say you're blessed with money, but um, when, the, when, the, um, when the pool of money is a little low, which happens once in a while, I assume. How do you replenish it? So when we first started, this was a personal project, and um, we volunteered for actually the first three years um, with uh, no compensation. Um, and then the, uh, the fourth year, uh, we were able to raise uh, $300 a month mm-hmm. and uh, $3,600 and and um, then the budget gradually grew uh, as people um, noticed us and wanted to support us and invest in us. Um, so uh, we feel loved and supported by a lot of people. And um, there have been times, uh, and I would say 9-11 was the first time in which uh, a lot of our donor funding dried up and uh, mm-hmm. funding went to the Red Cross. And so we had to figure out how to navigate those times. Uh, but uh, we haven't had anything like that in a while, and Good Works has a savings, and we are able to promise to our staff and vol- uh, to our staff compensation, and no one has ever been unpaid, and we've never had a bill unpaid ever in the 40 years that we've been doing this. Now, everybody is aware that tomorrow is Christmas Eve, the next day Christmas. Um, I can't imagine what it must be like to be homeless at this time of the year. Um, Do you have any stories about that? Well, I just wrote a little bit about this last night. Uh, So in in Athens County and beyond, there are basically uh, two uh, groups of people who experience homelessness. Some are staying with us in our shelter, and then some are living outside. Um, 
And as a result of that, it's much more uh, horrific experience. Um, now, we acknowledge that we can't help everyone, and we do have a structure and a criteria, so not everyone would be eligible to stay with us. But around Christmas, uh, we try to make, we try to brighten um, the the countenance of everyone staying with us. But what happens is that um, it is a hard time for people because everyone's talking about being with family. And a lot, not all, but a lot of the people who stay with us don't have any family to turn to. And so uh, it's emotionally hard and it's hard to talk about. Um, but we understand that. I think that one of the more significant things that we can do, um, all of us, is listen and offer understanding, show respect, uh, show empathy. I think it goes a long way. When people feel understood, it helps them sustain hope. Um, so Christmas, you know, we'll be open all day on Christmas. We usually have a meal uh, for everyone that's staying there. Sometimes former residents will come, depending on, because just because you have your own place doesn't mean you've addressed the question of loneliness. And one of the things that Good Works does behind the scenes is we try to facilitate relationship connections. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, that goes well. There are instances in which that, that doesn't go well, but that's an important component of what our mission is. You know, um, I've known a number of people who have, there's a certain joy of neighbors helping neighbors. And I don't mean necessarily that you have to live next to one another, but I mean a community helping those that... Um, are in need of help, friendship, connection, um, struggling. I'm not saying this very well. You would do so much well, better. So there are um, a lot of really good programs. You know, Athens County, I think, is just very fortunate. There, there, there's a lot of innovation and creativity in this community, and there are a lot of really good programs for people. Um, but for the most part, um, what people need in addition to the services and the resources, they need a friend. They need to have someone in their life. And this is true for me. It's true for you. It's true for all of us. It's our common human condition. We need to know that there's someone in our life that cares for us and that we're not their project, that there's a genuine sense of mutuality. And I, I use that word very carefully, but it's really intentional uh, we want to create environments where there is some some ordinary mutuality between relationships, um, because when you when you feel like you're a project, and, and granted, when you are in the recipient of medical care, I'm glad there are people there caring for you. But when you feel that's the only network you have in your life is are people who treat you as projects, there is a lingering sense of loneliness which can merge into depression. And so, what people need most, in my view, are friends. Somewhere I came across a list of um, oh, uh, speeches you have made to important groups around the nation, to um, some even international, um, articles you've written, um, and it's a lengthy list. Are you... Can you name another person that you think does as much as you in these regards? Well, I lead a sheltered life, Dave. <laughs> I, I don't get out much. I, I don't think that's a question I could address. Um, so, But, I, I mean, your story is very inspiring. And... Um, can you think of um, people you've inspired to go ahead and do much the same as you have in your life? Several years ago, we had a group that came pretty regularly from Delaware, Ohio. They were from, uh, I think, uh, a United Methodist Church there. And um, about the third year they were here, I said, you know, you guys have been coming back regularly. Why do you come back? Mm -hmm. And their answer was, well, didn't you know, we've started three different initiatives in our community since we started coming here. Mm -hmm. 
And so I am gratified by the idea that good works is a catalyst to inspire other people. Um, you know, the transformation station is a unique model of helping people get cars, furniture, appliances, non-emergency food, bicycles, through a sweat equity program. And people have come uh, from all around to look at that initiative and try to model it. Well, let's just go into a little more detail on that. So, um, how do you, golly, is you, have you ever had someone try to bilk you? You know what I mean? Uh, try to get something for nothing that they weren't needy. You know what I mean? Well, people are desperate, and sometimes they use deceit and um, other forms of uh, lifestyle choices to uh, try to get what they want. And in my view, just as the way I look at the world, you know, it's sad. Mm. Uh, uh, and the transformation station is a pretty tight ship. There is... Uh, you have to volunteer time, your time, uh, in order to receive the items. And so, uh, and we get to know the people. So for the most part, I, you know, I can't say authoritatively, but for the most part, I, I don't think too many people have built us okay. in that structure. Sure. Um, uh, so I hope not. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you have ways of determining that if it, it were to happen. Okay, so, you know, 40 years you've been doing this. Um, how old are you? I am two months away from my 64th birthday. Okay, I'm 72. Uh, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Uh, well, I want to do what I'm doing. I find joy and meaning and fulfillment uh, and so I will continue to do what I'm doing until uh, the Lord shows me something else to do. So uh, I don't have uh, a lot of other particular dreams at this point. I feel like I'm in a good place. Uh, the psalmist writes, the boundary lines have fallen into pleasant places for me. Uh, but I am getting uh, weary. I'm slowing down, and I'm aware that I have physical limitations, and some might argue that I have some mental limitations as well. But uh, uh, the reality is I need to do less. Um, but I'm pretty content. Uh, I'm hoping to take some time off in the new year. Uh, that's been a bit of a challenge to get away, but um, uh, I'm going back to Asbury Theological Seminary to study. I enjoy that school and what they teach there and how to study. Uh, but... Um, I don't have a lot of other plans. Um, I just uh, published a book in uh, July of 2021 uh, with a friend, uh, and uh, the book is uh, published by Erdman's. Um, we submitted five different suggested titles to the publisher, and they came back and after they read the book, and they said, we think you should call the book Good Works. Mm. And uh, that was not one of our suggestions. But it's really the story of Good Works and our philosophy and the way we think about service and, and our faith. Um, uh, I wrote it together with a dear friend whose name is Christine Pohl. She was a professor of ethics at Asbury for a long time, and she came to me one, in, one day after I was lecturing in her class, and she said, we should write a book together. And uh, it, it actually happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you talk about people just needing to get away, yourself once in a while. I, I share that with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually offer a, a little facility that is for that purpose. The Carter Cabin? The Carter Cabin, named after my dear friend Bob Carter, who passed away in 2012. It was The cabin existed before that. It was called the Solitude Retreat Cabin. It is a free service that we provide and people can come for a morning and afternoon or stay overnight. It does not have a bathroom. You have to walk into the main Hannah house to use the bathroom. But uh, it's really intended to be a place of respite and rest and reflection. Uh, it's heated in the winter. We have a wood stove, and it's beautifully set on the Goodworks property, and there's hiking trails there. Uh, so, yeah, it is a free service that we provide. Um, and then sometimes people will come and stay in our bed and breakfast called the Country Bed and Breakfast. We're on Airbnb. Uh, it's a private unit. It has a bedroom, a bathroom, and a kitchenette, uh, and that's uh, there's a fee to stay in that. Mm-hmm. So those are two 
forms of accommodation. We also have a guest house. The Hannah House uh, serves lots of different guests, uh, volunteers, and other people who just come to Athens and uh, need a place to stay that know us. Well, um, I, I think I've asked you this before, but uh, today, but let me let me zero in one more time. What have you not been able to do that you want to do? And I mean either in terms of your personal life or your 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 uh, passion topic, which is homelessness and helping people. What, what, what's the goal yet to be to um, to achieve? Yeah, I don't. I'm not. Uh, I don't have a bucket list. Uh, maybe I'll have one at one point. Um, there are things that I might share more personally and privately, but not on the radio. But for the most part, I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing, and I find a lot of meaning and fulfillment in it. Um, uh, I do have thoughts and dreams about how to how to stand in some of the gaps. Um, for example, um, the Plains uh, does not have a laundromat at this time, and I'm very concerned about that. And I wondered whether or not in the Good Works future if we could do something to help the people of the Plains. Uh, it's a very practical thing, uh, but we don't have the capacity to do anything with that right now. And maybe someone, by the time uh, we're ready, someone would have stepped up to do that. It, uh, I, you know, it, it's about running a small business, but uh, washing, helping people get their clothes clean is um, a really significant felt need, and especially for those who are struggling with poverty. Uh, to create a context where that could happen, uh, but that's kind of a down the road. Uh, I don't have, we don't have any plans. Uh, we've not really even had any discussion of that in the organization. Here we are, a day and a, a day and a half away from Christmas. This is supposed to be joyful, they say, and um, for many it will be. Um, what, what, what does Christmas mean to you? Well, I did not grow up with Christmas. Uh, you know, I, I came from a Jewish community. We grew up with Hanukkah. Uh, when I married Darlene, I began to enter into the uh, celebration. Um, and I try to give a lot of pushback against the, the merchandising of Christmas and look at the centerpiece, which is the birth of Christ. Um, Jesus coming into the world in the form of a very vulnerable uh, baby. And um, the, the mystery of Christmas is that God becomes a human being. Uh, that, is, that is so unbelievable that you, it requires faith on the part of anyone. Um, but there is some beauty and mystery in the story of uh, how God enters human history for the purpose of offering hope and salvation and forgiveness. So to me, it's the birthplace of Christianity. And I might just say that I'm not a big fan of that term, Christianity. In fact, as the political winds shift so dramatically, I pull back from identifying myself as a Christian, even though I am a Christian, uh, because there's so much controversy now. Um, and the, the politics of Christianity has got mer there's a patriotism in politics that really um, I'm, I'm just trying to n navigate through. I'm, I'm very confused about how this uh, marriage of patriotism and politics got started. And um, um, I love America. I consider myself a patriot, patriotic person, uh, but I have pushed back against the marriage of Christianity and patriotism. Um, and I think that's a much broader subject, so I better be careful if I, before I say anything further. There are places, I won't be specific, um, but there are certain places where I understand people sleep overnight, homeless. Um, and I know how cold it is this time of year. Um, and you, you kind of scamper to get in the house where it's warm. But to not have that opportunity um, is beyond my comprehension. Um, 
to pull up at a stoplight and someone is begging, uh, maybe that's a terrible term, but they have a sign hoping you'll give them some cash. Um, all of these images that go through your mind when you think about this topic. What, um, how do they affect you? Well, they're very disturbing every time I see someone. Um, but I've been on the other side enough to know that there's a little more going on in the story than they're presenting most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel a sense of compassion uh, I feel like we, we can, we, there is something uh, all of us can do. Uh, we just need to determine that. I think many people are, are challenged by the question of like, where am I enabling this person and where am I really helping this person? Um, one way to test that is to invite the person out for a meal at maybe Burger King or Wendy's and just talk to them and pay them for their time. Uh, not, not, uh, who knows whether they will actually join you or not. Um, so it's, it's convoluted. It's a little complex. Um, and uh, I feel a sense of compassion and desire to help uh, when I see these, these type of situations. I carry in my car um, a backpack with a blanket and all these different items. Uh, if I do encounter something, uh, someone, I can offer that to them. I also carry like coupons for fast food restaurants to help people. I think that's one way that people can prepare to help their neighbors um, is by carrying some things with them. And I might just say one more thing. Um, the solution to homelessness is not as complex and sophisticated as people think because um, where uh, all of us who have homes, uh, who own homes, are allowed to have guests in our houses. And uh, the question is, uh, what kind of structure can you develop through which you can do that and maintain stability and not be frightened? And I think there are many situations in which ordinary people can welcome people into their homes. Your website is? Uh, it's good-works.net, good-works.net. Folks, uh, it's a wonderful website, tons of information, lots lots of questions uh, can be re- um, answered there. I encourage you to visit it and think about the people in our community and, for that matter, the world. Keith, Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H This is CBS News on the Hour, your home for original reporting. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Christmas week in many cities is punctuated by long lines at COVID testing sites as Americans hope to avoid rapidly spreading Omicron infections. These two joined the queue at Tufts Medical Center in Boston. Well, it's a lot of people, but it's worth it to be honest to be safe. So um, I don't mind the wait at all. Hopefully we don't have to do it again next year. Lots of people are putting aside COVID concerns and getting away. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky appearing on CBS Morning says the best way to protect yourself as COVID quickly spreads is to get vaccinated and boosted and she says plane rides or other transportation to get to loved ones isn't the real concern this holiday season how safe your holiday is is really about how safe you are in the time leading up to the holiday she says the agency is reconsidering the 10-day isolation period if you test positive we anticipate that we'll have some updates soon 20 percent of u.s hospitals expect staffing shortages in the next week wendy gillette cbs news there's also covid etiquette to consider now. Consultant Jody Smith says it's okay to cancel plans. Nobody wants to give COVID as a holiday gift and no one wants to be the typhoid Mary of the holiday season that somebody came to my open house and had a couple of cookies and then went to the house down the block and now everybody is sick. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has opened a formal investigation into hundreds of thousands of Teslas that allow you to upload potentially dangerous distractions in the front center touch screen certain games now that you can actually play 
while you're driving. A how-to on YouTube, the agency suspects playing while you drive increases the risk of crash. A third day of deliberating is underway at the trial of the former Minneapolis police officer who shot and killed Dante Wright during a traffic stop. Yesterday, jurors asked the judge about reaching a consensus. She told them... You should discuss the case with one another and deliberate with a view toward reaching agreement. If you can do so without violating your individual judgment. Kim Potter claims she thought she was firing her taser, not her gun. More holiday traditions are being scratched because of the latest COVID outbreak. Two New York City ballet performances of The Nutcracker were canceled this week after several people in their production tested positive. A performance of Handel's Messiah also called off at Carnegie Hall. And the Broadway League is reporting a 26% drop in ticket sales since shows began a new pause. The Dow is down four points, S&P ahead eight. This is CBS News. There's always something new under the sun. CBS Mornings, weekdays on CBS. I'm Micah Fink, a veteran, a former Navy SEAL, and founder of Heroes and Horses. I'm with Boot Barn to talk about the power of being present. The holiday season, to me, should be a time of reflection. No matter what your modality is in life, no matter what you do, no matter what your experience is, it's a time to slow down and evaluate and then connect with the people that you love. And I think the greatest gift that you could give anybody in your life is the gift of time. Boot Barn. Share the West. Where to Eat, brought to you by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Hi, it's celebrity chef Carla Hall. 